Welcome to the While You Are Single podcast. O.J. Tokes' new, revised, and updated book, While You Are Single, A Guide to Finding and Keeping the Right Mate for Your Life, is now available. For more details about the book, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. Meanwhile, enjoy the podcast. Here is O.J. Tokes. Well, let me stop and crack. I was born in California, Inglewood, California. When I was six weeks old, my parents, they're Nigerian, they went back to Nigeria with me as a six-week-old baby. I was raised in Nigeria for 19 years. Then in 1994, I came back to the United States and I lived in Richmond, Virginia. I lived in Richmond, Virginia for about 12 years. 1995, I rededicated my life back to Christ. Now, I was raised in a Christian home. But how many of you know that despite the fact that you may be raised in a Christian home, it does not mean that you're really following the core or, or passionate about Christ. But in 1995, I decided to take God more seriously. And from then, thank God for his grace, we have been going steady, so to speak. (laughs) Around 2002, I was in my mid-20s then. I know that might be surprising, but I was. And I've always believed that God had a wife for me. You know, I was believing God for a wife. It was around that time that I was like, you know, yeah, I'm really interested in being in a relationship. And around this time, there was this lady that caught my eye. She looked like the one. She fit the profile. She looked like the one. She talked like the one. She smelled like the one. <laughs> the birds were singing that she was the one. The dogs were barking that she was the one. I felt the Holy Spirit was telling me, yeah, she's the one. And I was passionate about her. Um, she was hot. Uh, she loved the Lord, and that's not always a formidable com- combination. Um, she served in church. She was a leader. She seemed passionate. Um, and there were so many uh, situations or coincidences that hmm, made me think, hmm, she's the one. So in my heart, I felt like God was telling me she was the one. So I went to God, and I prayed. And I simply said, hey, God, you know what's up? I don't have time to make a mistake. I don't have time to date somebody for a few weeks, a few months, a few years and break it off. I don't have time for that. I'd rather use my time wisely. So Father, if this person is the one, let your will be done. If not, let your will be done. I pray that, yeah, but in my heart I was like, yeah, I think I think she's the one. <laughs> so I had a conversation with her. I, you know, after a few months, after observing, thinking about it, praying about it, waiting for more confirmation, so to speak, and now muster the courage. Guys, I want to encourage you guys. Um, we need to be able to step up. That's part of being, that's part of, you know, we have the term man up, you know, and I think we misunderstand what that term is. We need to step up and say what we got to say. Amen. Now, guys, um, manning up includes 
even when she says no, you take the hit and be a man about it. That's part of being man up. So I stepped up and I talked to her. And you know what? I was right. She was the one. Just one problem. I wasn't the one. <laughs> For her. Because she was interested in another guy. I was disappointed. So basically, she turned me down. I was disappointed. I handled it through God's grace. <laughs> I went home and I was wondering, I'm not going to lie to you. I was still hoping and wishing that she was going to change her mind. But that never happened. While I was dealing with this disappointment, while I was thinking about this, a friend of mine called me on the phone. And he called me. He wanted to know if I would be one of the speakers in the True Love Waits seminar. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. I just failed in a relationship. I just, in fact, I didn't even start. <laughs> I just got my heart broken. And now God is giving me a buzz, the same God that I went to. I said, hey, what's up? Hook me up. He's now calling me, y'all told I need you to do something for me. I'm like, God, where were you when I asked you to do something for me? And I'm sure God was like, yeah, I did what I was supposed to do. It wasn't, it wasn't supposed to be. So relax and do your job. <laughs> so while I was, you know, just thinking about the fact that I was going to be speaking in a True Love Weight seminar, you know, one of the questions that I had to grapple with was, okay, Tokes, are you ready to be in a relationship? No. Okay, that's cool. So what do you need to be doing? to prepare yourself to be in a relationship, Tokes. That question was what I began to seek the scriptures about and seek God about. While I am single, what do I need to be doing to make sure that when I get into a relationship, it goes according to God's plan? It's no wonder that at the True Love Way Seminar, the title of the message was While You Are Single. That is so important because you do not want to find out how to make a relationship work when you are married. <laughs> because <laughs> by that time, it might be too late. So while you are single, what do you need to be doing? Your lifestyle as a single person is a seed that will determine your harvest as a married person. Let me say that again. Your lifestyle as a single person is a seed that will determine your harvest as a married person. So, during the event, I spoke on while you were single. After, after the event, after the message, it was so powerful, it was so impactful, I said to myself, this is not just a message here. And that's why it evolved into my first book, published in 2003, While You Are Single. It's not in the market right now because a revised and updated version by God's grace will be released this summer. But 11 years after that day, or more like 12 years later, 
I had relocated to Houston by this time. Six months ago, on August the 10th, 2013, I married this beautiful lady here, Dana. But the process, the journey, were things that I learned while I was single. Every once in a while, I meet some of my friends who were, who are, or who were in the journey with me. I was in the journey with them. Some of them are still in the journey. And they keep asking sometimes, how will the message change? What's different now? And the only thing I want to say is, it's not different. It's just a reinforcement of what I learned while I was single. Because when you have the right information and you apply it while you are single, it's the same thing that will sustain you when you are married. A lot of times when you hear people minister to people about marriage, you hear things like, what you used to do when you started dating, keep doing it. And you know they started dating while they were single. How you approach a relationship right from scratch, right from the get-go, determines how the relationship continues or stops. In Mark chapter 10, verse 2. Mark chapter 10, verse 2. Some Pharisees came to Jesus and their purpose was to trap him. They wanted to get him in trouble. And they asked him, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? Now, I'm not here to talk about divorce. That's not my emphasis. But I'm using this because divorce represents a relationship that didn't go well. It represents a broken relationship. Okay? My emphasis is more on Jesus' response to their question. Because his response had more to do with relationships regardless. Okay? That's why I'm using that account. So the Pharisees came to him in Mark chapter 10, verse 2, and they said, Can a man divorce his wife? In Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, Matthew 19, verse 3, we hear the same story, but we get more details. In 19, verse 3, it says the Pharisees came to him to trap him, and they asked him, is it okay to have divorce, or can a man divorce his wife for any reason? Any reason. That gives us more details. If you didn't know that in Matthew 19, verse 3, you would have been thinking they were asking, should we divorce, period. But Matthew 19, verse 3 lets us know that it wasn't about, it was more about why or grounds for divorce. They asked, can we divorce for any reason? Usually, when the Pharisees and the religious leaders came against Jesus, they were coming against him based on the law or based on the Old Testament. A lot of times we're not aware that Jesus' response is more like a clarification of 
the Old Testament or the law or the first five books of the Moses. Some call it the Pentateuch, some call it the Torah. But basically, he was also responding based on that. So when we begin to study our scriptures and look at Jesus' response from that perspective, it helps us get a clearer view of what the debate or the conversation is about. Okay? So this guy came to Jesus and says, and they said, could a man divorce his wife for any reason? And like I said, they were coming to him based on the Old Testament. Therefore, their source for their argument is found in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. There Moses simply says, when a man takes a wife, and she does not find favor in, in his eyes because he found something indecent in her or something unclean in her, King James Version, or something despicable or wrong with her, he can write her a certificate of divorce and send her away. So they were coming to Jesus based on Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. But it was a trap. It's my understanding that there were two schools of thought in the Jewish tradition as it pertained to divorce. There were two rabbinic schools, two rabbis, who had differences regarding what that scripture meant. Because it tells a man, a husband, to divorce his wife if he found something indecent or unclean in her. Now the question was, what does it mean by indecent? What does it mean by unclean? So there were two rabbinic schools that had two different views on what unclean or indecent meant. One was the school of Rabbi Shammai. The other was the school of Rabbi Hillel. Shammai was of the view that indecent means adultery. If a man's wife commits adultery, he could divorce her. That was the only ground for divorce. Rabbi Hillel was of the view that unclean or indecent means anything, any reason. Even if she burnt food, you can divorce her. So, when they are coming to Jesus about this, they were trying to set a trap. Couple of things. You notice the question was a man divorcing his wife. In the Old Testament, the Jewish mindset, in the Jewish law, only men could divorce their wives. A wife could not divorce her husband. Only the man could divorce the woman. So you can imagine what Jesus was dealing with. Remember the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. I believe it's in John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. The story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. We've heard that story so many times. And if you've heard good teachings about that story, you probably hear the speaker say something like, whatever happened to the man, she was found committing adultery with. How come is the woman is getting stoned, but nobody's doing something against the man? Because the mindset was the woman is the problem, not the man. 
Does that kind of make more sense to you now when you go back to the Old Testament to understand their mindset and come to the New Testament? Because that's what the issue was. Jesus was trying to clean up a lot of mess, mess up from back then. So the trap is, okay, if Jesus says you can only divorce for adultery, which Jesus goes on to talk about a little bit, if Jesus said you divorce for adultery, then um, it means that he's in trouble with Hillel's camp, who says, uh-uh, any reason. If Jesus says you can divorce for any reason, that means he's in, he's in cahoots with uh, Shammai's camp. If Jesus says, you can't divorce, period, then he's in trouble with Moses. Because Moses says, you can divorce. So you see the trap. But Jesus' response is powerful. His first response, that's my emphasis, the first response. Jesus, I'm paraphrasing, I'm kind of breaking things down. He responded and said, from the beginning, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his parents to cleave with his wife so that they can become one flesh. They are no longer two, but they are one. That was Jesus' response to what they were saying. Now, I want to highlight five points from Jesus' response, okay? The Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, can a man divorce his wife? And Jesus' response gives us at least five things we need to be mindful of to help us get it right in relationships. He said, from the beginning, starting from scratch, that term starting from scratch, in my understanding, comes from sports. Some argue that it came from cricket. Okay? But I don't know much about cricket, and a lot of you might not, so it's going to be hard to explain that. But you guys probably watch track events, track and field sprinters. You know that mark that they put? That's a scratch. That's a starting point. You guys get it now? That's where the, the, the idea came. Scratch. That's a scratch. So Jesus, in a sense, is saying, starting from scratch, God made them male and female. Point number one. The Pharisees came and said, can a husband, one person, divorce his wife, another person? And Jesus responds and says, from the beginning, God made them, two people. They started with one person doing something against another person. Jesus starts with, from the beginning, starting from scratch, God made them, two people. Not him, not her. God made them, male and conjunction, Female, not male against destruction, female. The Pharisees started with man against woman. 
Jesus started with man and woman. To be successful in a relationship, you need to start with a collective, a coupled mindset than an individualistic mindset. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you were informed, inspired, and impacted. If you'd like to learn more about O.J. Tokes, his books, blog, music, and his monthly ministry for singles, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. That is whileyouaresingle.org. If you've been blessed by the podcast, we encourage you to please share with your friends. Until next week's podcast, take care and stay blessed.